Hey, this is Caleb Cole, pastor of Project Church in Sacramento. And man, I am so excited for you to hear this word. I believe God is going to encourage you, strengthen you, and challenge you through it. So get ready to receive from God today. Welcome again. Uh, If you didn't know, my name is Lauren, and my wife and I get to be uh, the campus pastors at Project Church West Sacramento. I can't believe it's been three and a half years since we started uh, this church, and man, God has been so good. Um, I, I, I look back and I just see different people and I think, hey, I remember when you started coming here. I remember when you started coming here. I remember when you started coming. You started coming before I was even coming. And, um, and God's just been so good. I love looking back and remembering how good God is. Um, but when we started the church, um, one of the, the biggest value that we had is going to be found in, this, in the passage we're reading today in Mark chapter 2. And, uh, and really, it was founded from this experience that I had and kind of pulled out of me that I feel like was always there. And is this. So I was uh, in between jobs, and I got to drive for Lyft and Uber. Did anybody ever use those services, Lyft and Uber? It's, uh, it's an interesting concept. I, I saw something online the other day that said in, uh, in the 2000s, we were told, uh, or no, in the 90s, we were told, don't get in cars with strangers. And then in the 2000s, we were, we were told, don't talk to people on the internet. And then in 2019, we're told to get into a car with a stranger, with someone you met on the internet. But anyways, uh, culture's changing, I guess. But uh, So the concept is you, you become a taxi driver just based on your, on your application on your phone, and you use your everyday car, and you can make a little side money. So I was doing that, and one of the coolest things, that I, the biggest thing I loved about doing it was that I got to meet people that I didn't normally talk to. There was literally someone stuck in your car that you get to hang out with, and uh, sometimes it's weird, sometimes it's fun, sometimes it's creepy, sometimes, man, you wish you weren't, the, you, had, you wish the ride was over. Uh, but overall, here's my experience from that is I became so aware of how much and how, how much brokenness there is in this world. Man, I became so aware of how many people are hurting because they do not know Jesus. And sometimes I just be wrapped up in church that all I see is church people, which are, which are great, but a lot of the church people already have this freedom and life that, that's in Jesus. But I was realizing how many people out there are so far from God And that they may, a lot of them don't even feel welcomed at church. I had that conversation over and over and over again about how they feel like turned off from the church, rejected from the church, hurt by the church, tainted on their view of Jesus because of the church and because ultimately they didn't feel accepted by the church. And my heart was broken from that. And then even out of that, uh, we started Project Church for a place to lead all people to find life and freedom in Jesus. And one of the things that's highlighted here is Jesus specifically hanging out with sinners. Specifically hanging out with the worst of the worst. The people that nobody else even thought about talking to. The people that were outcasts, disassociated with society, and and placed a, a mark on them that says, I am not going to talk to them. And my heart was broken from this. And as a result, I, as we started Project Church, in, as, in general, but even more so as, I, as we led the charge in planting this campus, we thought, man, we want to be a church where it doesn't matter where you're from. doesn't matter what you've done. 
doesn't matter what you believe. doesn't matter who you are. doesn't matter who you're, who you're friends with. doesn't matter what you do for a living. doesn't matter if you do anything for a living. doesn't matter if you have a car, if you have a home. doesn't matter if you have anything. But you are welcome at Project Church that, that you don't need to believe to belong and that Jesus hung out with sinners and I want to hang out with sinners too because I'm one of them. And Jesus was willing to hang out with me and love me and, show, and share with me that, hey, there's, there's something better. I'm pulling you up. You don't have to live your life down here. I know you, you're finding, finding loneliness and you're finding darkness and you feel like there's no purpose in life. But Jesus grabbed me by the hand and hung out with me and said, hey, I'm pulling you up to my level. I'm, I'm, we're hanging out, but I'm going to pull you up to my level and, and show you the life and freedom that's found only through me. And I, I love this passage that we're going to read because uh, there were some religious people. And by religious people, I mean Pharisees. There's these group of people called Pharisees that were very legalistic. And they were so, when we say the word religious, they were so bound by the Old Testament scriptures and they found even additional, uh, uh, they found additions to the word of God that they felt needed to be added just because they wanted to enforce the legality of the Old Testament laws even more so and enforce them on everybody and they believed they could achieve them. They believed they, they could hit the mark. And they believed that they were righteous. But literally the definition of sin is to miss the mark. And scripture says that we have all missed the mark. We've all fallen short. And so if you didn't know today, you're a sinner. And I'm a sinner. And everybody around you and your neighbor and your coworker and your family and your kids, they're all sinners. Your parents are like, yeah, my kids are definitely sinners. But we're all a bunch of sinners. Isn't that awesome? And you know why it's awesome? Is because Jesus wants to hang out with sinners. And I'm so thankful that I don't see the way the religious people say and say, man, I'm only going to, I hope Jesus only hangs out with the righteous people and he's only after the righteous people. But he says, no, actually in this passage we read, he says, I came not for the righteous. And he was saying this to to the Pharisees because they were thinking they were righteous But he says, actually, you're not even righteous, but if you want to think that, that's cool. But I came not to be a doctor, not to be the great physician to those that are already well, but I came for the sick. I came for the lost. I came for the sinners. And I'm thankful for that because he came for me. So we read this passage where people get upset about what Jesus did. This is one of five. Uh, This is actually the second of five instances where Jesus ran into opposition. And just as a side note, as you pursue God's call on your life, you're going to experience opposition. Often we think, man, I'm finally doing what God wants me to do. We, tep- we take a big step of faith, whether it's maybe it's tithing, maybe it's going to church, maybe it's bring, joining a community group, and we all of a sudden feel this opposition. We say, oh, maybe God's telling me that this isn't the right thing to do. Maybe I'm, I should just give up because I'm experiencing this opposition You know what? That's God telling you you're on the right track because every time you start to pursue God's call on your life, every time you step into what God has for you, you will experience this opposition. So as a side note today, I think someone here is experiencing opposition in their life and they're thinking that's because you're doing it wrong. I want to tell you that's because you're doing it right. I want to tell you that you will experience opposition and let that be a sign that you're on the right track. All right, I'm moving on. The Pharisees saw this person and they said, man, he doesn't deserve to hang out with Jesus. That wasn't fair to them. Uh, does anybody ever like that? Ever have that guy that just needs to, oh, it needs to be fair. 
And they, were, they were, had this mindset, but they were way off with how they, they were looking at Scripture. Okay, so um, if, you, if you have your Bibles, open up to, to verse 13 of Mark chapter 2. Uh, man, I've been loving this, past, this series so much. And I pray that you are just digging into it more, that you're understanding, understanding more about the Gospels. And so right now we, hear, we read about the, the fifth disciple that is called. He's already called four normal everyday fishermen and said, hey, follow me and be my disciples. And in a similar way, he calls them, is that me? Unless someone else. Okay, you're not busted. I thought it was me. Um, they call, is that Jesus calling? So he walks right up to the biggest sinner of them all and says, follow me. And this is scandalous because that person was outcast. That person was excommunicated, disowned, and despised. He wasn't a normal person of society. So this, this person, so uh, right there, he went out again beside the sea, and all the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching. Let's go to the next verse. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me, and he rose and followed him. Let me pause right there. So the tax collector, he was a tax collector. And so he was at the tax booth. And so what this meant was, uh, was he was literally charging people to walk across a certain area. So to, to travel, every time you walked past an area, it was, you had to charge. So one time my wife and I drove all the way to New York State, and actually New York City, and hung out. We rented a car and drove all the way across. And we went through the state of Ohio, and now I hate Ohio, because they literally charge you for just driving on the freeway. They literally charge you, like, how far did you drive? And you have to go through a booth, and you have to pay per driving on the highway. And I thought that was the lamest thing in the world. I'm never going to Ohio. I'm going to start a boycott against the state of Ohio. Who's with me? Yes, all right. We got, I'm totally kidding about that. But, but this is how bad it was. It was even worse than Ohio. Some people are like, uh, man, we, taxes are so crazy. I don't think anybody in here is just like, man, I love paying my taxes. And so everybody hated these, these tax collectors, but it was much worse than just a guy who collected taxes. See, this person, Levi, was a Jew. He was raised in Sunday school. He was a Hebrew. He knew the word of God, but somewhere along the lines, he was offered a position. He, was, he became aware of this opportunity to be a tax collector, and he was aware of what that meant. And so the Jews were not actually free. Their king was Caesar. They were under Roman rule that Caesar was enforcing heavy taxation on the Jews, pinching them for every penny they had. And it was totally obscure, totally um, un unrealistic, totally uh, above the norm and unfair. They were, they were being taxed for every single thing and way beyond reason. And this Jew was was becoming saying i'm i'm going to be obedient to caesar and be 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 punishing my fellow jews with these taxations and they he had to he had to um, punish them by saying no you need to give me more i need to take my cut from this and he's and if someone was like no i don't want to i can't pay this he says well that's okay i'll give you a loan so this is something he would do he would give them a loan and say okay you're going to pay this off at a big interest rate and if you can't do that if you don't if you can't pay that off well that's okay we'll break your knees and then throw you in prison this guy levi was legit the mafia of rome 
And so nobody liked him. He was very much, you, we say, dis, uh, say outcast and disowned, despised. You have no idea how much this person, you, you would just hate this person walking down the street. You wouldn't even want to talk to him because he is your enemy. He is causing your family to go hungry. He is causing there to be no bread in, the, in your cupboards. He's causing you can't pay the light bill. You can't do anything because this person is persecuting you and, and uh carrying out this taxation on your life that is totally unfair and causing you to live in poverty. You wouldn't want to hang out with this person. You wouldn't even want to talk to this person. But Jesus comes up to him and says, follow me. He didn't say, okay, fill out this application and maybe you could start this. Let me see what your beliefs are. Do you believe in this? Do you believe in that? And then you can follow me. No, he just comes up to him and says, follow me. The biggest sinner of them all, the biggest outcast of them all. And he says, follow me. And, and what happened? Let's continue on here. And he rose and followed him. Verse 15. And as he reclined at table in his house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. And this is when people get upset. The scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Let me pray real quick. Jesus, speak to us today. I pray that the word of God would bring about freedom in this place today. Your word has more power than we understand. And I pray that it would unlock freedom. It would unlock joy. It would unlock a new level in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to uh, take these few verses here and just pull out three points that I, that I recognize. And uh, three steps, if you will, of this process of becoming a sinner to a follower to a disciple and then eventually apostle of Jesus being used by God. Um, so if you're a sinner, in, sinner today, this message is for you because Levi was just this sinner and he took, them, he took them all the way on this journey. And the first step in pursuing God's call on your life, the per first step in being used by God is simply to follow Jesus. I love the simplicity of the gospel. I love the simplicity of Jesus. And he just says, hey, you don't have to, to fill out an application. You don't have to, 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 um, to do all this stuff. There's not a big expectation on the first step. It's simply follow me. Now, I know if you're like me, you're like practically thinking like Jesus isn't physically inhuman walking around right now. I can't follow him anywhere. What are you, what are you talking about? Follow Jesus. But it's to follow the principles, follow the love, follow in the footsteps, follow the example that Jesus led, which is to love all people. And so some of us are saying, well, what does that mean to follow Jesus? To simply show love. It's to simply give. It's to simply pursue God, talk to him more, and be in fellowship with God. Open up the word of God. Find out what Jesus did and do it too. It's not that hard. So we can overcomplicate the, the word of God so often. We'll say, what does that mean to follow Jesus? Just do what Jesus did. He loved people. He spent time with his father, and he, and he brought people to his father. He brought people to know God, and he brought about freedom. So it means to seek after him. And after a few weeks uh, a few weeks ago, we talked about the four disciples being called. They were all fishermen. And now we see this next one. And uh, Jesus calls us to abandon. Often, if you're wondering how you answer that question, what does it mean to follow Jesus? It means to abandon. 
It means to, to, to let go of what you're currently doing, man. He just left that tax booth right there. The fishermen dropped their nets and said, okay, I'm following you. I'm leaving my good job. I'm going to follow you. And we talked about how, hey, th- that may mean many things for us, but when Jesus calls us to him, he's calling us out of something. He's calling us to abandon. He's causing us to depart from our ways and follow him. So the first thing you need to know is just to follow Jesus, regardless of your past. I love this quote by Oscar Wilde. He said, every saint has a past, and every sinner has a future. See, Jesus didn't look at this person in sin and say, man, you are so messed up. I don't think there's any way you can be used by God. But he said, no, I see you are a sinner with a future. And I see any person who is right standing with God, they all have a past. And so everyone is treated equally because we all have grace for all, because we've all missed that mark of, of keeping the law. And we've all missed the mark of, and, and we've fallen short of the glory of God, and we have sinned, and we deserve death. But he paid that. And he covered the, the, the payment for that. So some of us are, are, like me, frustrated with that first instruction because we can't physically follow Jesus around. But here's two more practical steps to get more specific with instructions. Is, is we read that he took Jesus and invited him to a party. I think the church needs to party more. That's my personal, personal theology on that. And you probably can't take that the wrong way. But I believe we just need to be in community more. We need to celebrate more because Jesus followed Levi to his house and there was basically a party going on. People were relaxing, people were eating, people were drinking. They were having a good time. And Jesus was there hanging out with the sinners. And the Pharisees were peeking in the door going, like, wait, what's, what is going on? And you know what the reality was? The, the Pharisees weren't invited to the party because they were the stuffy people casting judgment on everybody. No one wants to invite the stuffy people. And so Jesus was invited to the party because he didn't look down on people and cast judgment on people. He saw people for who they could be, and he hung out with them, and he built community. So the second thing I want to encourage you to do is to find community and build community. See, when I first found Jesus, when I was 15 years old, I was so amazed because there was all these other kids in my school that just started popping out of nowhere and saying, I'm a Christian too. I'm a Christian. Like, I didn't even know that. And then we started hanging out. We started building these friendships that I can tell you with full confidence that I wouldn't be nowhere near where I'm at today if I didn't have community. So many people start following Jesus, but we have zero community in our life and we, and we start to fade away back into our old Old habits, those nets that we drop down, those, that, the, leaving the tax booth. We come right back to the tax booth because we don't have anybody else to hang out with to encourage us. And Project Church is where you can find that community. Man, we have a community group Sunday night. We have a community group every single day of the week throughout our, throughout the, uh, our city. And we do this because we provide opportunity to find community. But something I wanted to encourage you with is that we are called not just to, just to jump in on community, but we're called to build community. So many people have made the excuse like, well, there's not really community there. I haven't found it. We're called to build it. We're called to grab people. See, Levi was just soon to follow Jesus, and he invited all his friends. Hey, guys, Jesus wants to hang out. Let's go hang out at my house. And he built community right after being called to follow Jesus. And I think so often we need to just be the people to build it, be the people to invite people, just say, hey, we're hanging out. I know our lives are always busy, but we need to find room and we need to value the community aspect. So I'd encourage you in a couple ways. One is to join a community group if you're not already in one. 
And two is just to build community, get connected with other believers and spend time together outside of Sunday morning. Find, find ways to connect and find, go out of your way and take the step of building community because that's something Jesus values. Well, I mean, he was hanging out with you. You'd think like, man, I got places to be. I'm the son of God. I got, no, but he's hanging out with sinners. He's hanging out with people like you and me, building community. It's important that uh, you find the right community, though, because, the, because uh, Levi could have started hanging around and building community with these people, inducing the wrong mindsets, influencing him in the way of the religious people. See, here's the difference. I want to give you a quick list uh, between religious people and Jesus people. See, religious people trust in their works. They're saying, man, I'm going to attain. I'm going to do this. But Jesus people, they trust in God's works. Religious people, they obey. This is really good. They obey so God would love me. They have that mindset. I need to, to uh, get up in the morning and read my Bible. I need to obey the Sabbath. I need to obey the laws that God's put in place so that God would love me. And they got it really backwards. But because only because God loves me, because loves God me. Yep. Total makes, totally makes sense. Only because loves God me. They obey because God loves me. I think that's probably how it's supposed to be up there. And that's, that's the truth because we can't attain righteousness on our own. And that's what the religious people think. That's what the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes, those three groups of people, they were all focused on. And they're saying, look, all these Old Testament laws, they had the first five books of the Old Testament memorized. So they knew every single thing. And they were ready to point out, you just messed up I, uh, Leviticus 22.3. You just messed up this one. And they knew it all. And they were so uh, self-righteous. But they, but they, and they were serving to earn the love of God. But we have already learned, earned the love of God. There's nothing to earn because he gives it unconditionally and he gives it despite of our sin. And because we lo God's love is there, we obey. And so let's see if this one's right. We see good people and bad people. But Jesus' people, we just see people. We seize people. We just see people the way they are. We see we're all, it's a level playing field. And we, you know what? Hey, that guy's been serving Christ all his life. That guy's really good. That guy's homeless. That guy's addicted to drugs. That guy's a millionaire. Hey, we're all the same. We're all bleeding red. We're all sinners saved by grace. And we just see the level playing field. Religious people are obsessed with perfection. And they're saying, man, I can do this right. I can do this right. I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm obsessed with my perfection. But Jesus' people, they're obsessed with his perfection because he's the only one that lived the perfect life. And as a result of that, we have freedom because he took the payment of sin upon him. And here's the other thing about religious people. They can't repent. They're never wrong. Have you ever met someone like that? That's just never, you can never get them to admit that they're wrong. They never make a mistake. Somehow they're just like, better than everybody else and they just won't admit to making a mistake and you sometimes bring something up and somehow they talk their way out of it and to blame it on some other guy. Like they never own their, their, their issue and they, and they never own their sin because they say, no, I haven't sinned, I'm righteous. But we realize that Jesus' people, man, it all starts with repentance. Jesus' first words as he started his ministry, he said, repent and believe because the kingdom of God is here. See, it starts with repentance. Repentance means fully recognizing I have sin in my life, but fully recognizing his perfection and what he did on the cross and embracing that. I don't know about you, but I want to be a Jesus people. 
I don't, I don't feel like those religious people on the left-hand side. Nobody wants to hang out with those guys. They're not invited to the party. I want to be a Jesus people. Third thing is this, is that we are called, if we're going to follow Jesus, we need to live with purpose. Purpose is uh, so important to have in our lives. And often we are struggling to find what that is. And because we're so directed by what people say, whether it be online, whether it be our neighbors, whether it be our family, and we're so influenced by what people say that we're kind of just being, uh, being uh, directed by people's words. And Jesus' words were awesome because he, he influenced them. They were trying to say, hey, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? This isn't what you're called to do. But he corrected them and enforced the mission. He said, I came to heal the sick. I came for the sinners to be forgiven. I came to lead people to find life and freedom. I came so that people will be whole. I didn't came for you righteous people who think you're righteous, but you're not really righteous. You're just self-righteous in your own perfection, your thought perfection. But I come to heal the sick. I've come for the sinners. I've come for the people that are lost. I've come for the people that don't know me. I've come for the people that are rejected. I've come for the people that no one else wants to love. I've come for that kid at school in junior high when you turn around and looking for some place to sit and there's a kid sitting all by himself because no one wants to talk to him. I've come for the popular kid. I've come for the kid that's hanging out too much in the band room. I've come for every single person out there because I have come for those who have sinned. I've come for the sinners, and that is everybody. So I want to encourage you to never let your past disqualify yourself. We often do that. We disqualify ourselves because we know our past. Maybe some of us are sitting here today and we're like, you know what? I know my past. I know the way I'm viewed. I know the way I'm viewed in society. I'm not like this person. I'm not like that person. I want to tell you that Jesus sees you as perfect. He sees you as purified and perfected in his image. See, often we can look onto our past and we can hold on to it. And it causes us to miss the purpose of what is in front of us. But God uses all people. And we're called to live out this same mission. You see, Jesus isn't walking around on earth anymore. We can't follow him. He is not in, in human form today, but he's in human form through you. See, Jesus lives inside of you. God lives inside of you. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you, and you are the hands and feet of Jesus, and we're called to live out this purpose, to say, I'm here for the lost. I'm here for the sinners, and I'm going to hang out with the kid no one else hangs out with. I'm going to be the one that everyone, I'm going to be around and hang around and love the person no one, no one else wants to love. We're called into relationship with him and Jesus calls you a sinner here. They're sick, but, but he's the doctor. The more patients that are out there, the more patients that are going to the doctor, the better the doctor. And the Pharisees were looking in and they see all these patients hanging around, all these sinners, and that means he is a good doctor. There is nothing he can't handle for, for, for people in your life. So I want you to think, and this is in, in two different areas, is with yourself, is that you need to come to the great physician. There's things in your life that you need healing from. There's, there's a mindset that you have that is incorrect, that you're viewing yourself as, as Levi probably saw himself as hated and outcast, disowned and despised. But Jesus sees you and he, and he says, no, you're worthy. He says, you're worthy for me to come up to you and say, follow me. And he's going to take you by the hand. And he's, he's not ashamed of you. And he's not ashamed of being around you. He's not ashamed of coming over to your house and hanging out. Because he's a friend of sinners. 
And the second thing is to be part of this church and to live out that mission. Project Church is, is a church. Our vision statement is to lead all people. To lead all people to find life and freedom in Jesus. It doesn't matter what you look like. doesn't matter how much money you make. doesn't matter your past. doesn't matter where you came from. doesn't matter who you know. But everyone is welcome at Project Church. And that we want to be a place where broken people get healed. This is a hospital. This is a hospital for broken people. And we have the great physician that we're just pointing them to. There's nothing we're doing. We're just pointing them to say, hey, here's Jesus. Here's Jesus. Here's the, I know there's brokenness in your life, but here's the great physician that he's come for you to heal you spiritually, to heal you physically, to heal you emotionally and even uh, psychologically. And, and some people say, man, everyone has a spot here except for one person. There's one person that won't fit in. There's only one group of people that won't fit in if you're at Project Church. And that's if you're a perfect person, you won't fit in at Project Church. Because none of us can relate to that. There is no perfect people here because we are all works in progress, which is where this whole idea of Project Church came from, is we're a church where we don't have it figured out, where we're all working out our lives. We're all becoming more like Jesus. We're all taking a step closer to Jesus. None of us have arrived there, including the pastors. We're all trying to figure this out. We're all trying to take a step closer to Jesus. We all have our struggles. We all have our sin, but we know the great physician. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to to think about these things, about how we can follow Jesus better, how we can build community better, and how we can live with a purpose better. And so on that note of living with purpose, there is a little card on your seat. I want you to grab that real quick. And it says, who are you praying? Or it says Easter prayer cards at the top. And we're doing this as a challenge because it's a week before Easter, and we have the biggest opportunity of the year to be God's hands and feet, to be, the, to, to be a vessel of God's blessing and to live out purpose that he's called us to do. And so we're going we're gonna to sing another song. And as we do that, I want you to take that pen and write down people you're praying for and then write down people that you're inviting to church. So here's it, here it is. You say, who am I praying for? Man, this is my neighbor to my left. This is my neighbor to the right. This is my coworker. This is my friend. This is my family member. I'm praying for them. And I'm praying for them because I believe Jesus loves them and Jesus heals broken people. And the second thing you can write down is who, I'm, who am I going to invite to Easter? Because you have the opportunity, a practical way of saying, I'm going to lead you to find you. Come to church and sit with me. I'll be there with you. I'm going to, I'm going to hang out with you. And so you can hear the good news of Jesus. And you can pray with them. You can talk to them. But a practical way you can do that that we're encourage you is to bring them to Easter next week. So I want to pray and close this service today with that challenge. Would you bow your head? We hope this word encouraged you today. If you haven't heard, we recently purchased a building in Old Sacramento. This is going to be the permanent home of Project Church. We are here to stay in Sacramento. But I wanted to ask you if you would consider giving, uh, donating to help make this vision come to fruition. You can go to www.projectchurch.com backslash believe to see more about the building and to donate. God bless you and let's see what God can do through us.